Thank you, Alkesh, for having this live team and being so faithful to the calling of God. You're truly a shepherd, uh, you know, tending his sheep. You know, David, Bible says David was a shepherd who was taking care of his father's sheep, which is a picture of the son, Jesus Christ, taking care of his sheep, his father's sheep. We are his father's sheep and Jesus came to take care of his father's sheep. You are a good shepherd and you are taking care of Jesus' sheep, right? And, and this, is a, this is a church. Uh, the Bible talks about this as a church. We, they broke bread from house to house and this is the church. This is where the presence of Jesus is. Where he said, I am I'm in the midst of you like a lampstand. Right? Whenever he portrayed Jesus, he said, the church was born in Solomon's porch in Jerusalem. That's where during the, uh, he walked. Jesus used to walk in Solomon's porch. And the church gathered for the first time in Solomon's porch. Solomon means man of peace. The church is born in a place of peace. And, and Jesus is in our midst. And that what was the vision that you saw. Jesus in the midst of the lampstand. He is the center lamp. And all of us, if you look at the menorah, the center lamp is the one that feeds all the other lampstands. The oil comes in from the center lamp. And all the lamps face the center lamp, but the oil flows out connected, not separate. It is connected to the central stem because he is Jesus and his anointing and his supply flows through all of us. So he is in the midst. So anytime where there is fear, guess what Jesus does? He comes in the midst and stands, right? So whenever there is concern or there is poverty, he'll come and stand in the midst and say, I am rich. Whenever he is weak, he'll come and stand in the midst and say, I am strong. He never says, you are strong. He says, I am strong. Why? Because we are in him. So when John, it's a beautiful picture, when John for the first time he saw Jesus, uh, remember he appeared in the lampstand and there were seven lambs in the front of him. That's the big menorah that he saw. He really saw the huge menorah where Jesus was in the midst, glowing and bright and his feet blazing and his face brightening like the sun and he's girded and, and then he says seven fires were in his front, which was the seven lambs of God, which is the menorah. And he's in the midst and what is John's response? John immediately fell down in front of him as if dead. Right? And Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. Behold, I was dead, but I am alive forevermore. What? Why is he saying about himself when the problem is with John? John is afraid that he is about to die because he saw God. Right? That's what he saw. He saw God and he thinks he's going to die. He says, but I was dead, but I'm alive forever. Because he says, if I am dead and alive forevermore, I can never die. Guess what? You can never die. Even though you're in the presence of Almighty God, you can never die. Can you think about it? You can never die. In the presence of God, you can never die. Can you imagine? You can't even look at the sun. But in the presence of Almighty God, who shines brighter than a thousand suns, you can never die. That's confidence, right? That means your righteousness should be so blazing for you have to have no guilt before such a perfect God, right? Because if you have, have you ever been in a court, uh, George was a policeman, uh, I mean, so he was worked in the police department, but 
people who come to you, even for a civil case, into the court premises, they're very afraid, right? You make sure your car is parked the right way <laughs> in the police. You know, you, know, you make sure your driver license is not expired. You're like, because when you come into a law enforcement area, you're very conscious of all your transgressions. Let's put it that way, right? <laughs> I mean, th things that they are not even looking at, you're like afraid. In fact, you, do, you make more stupid mistakes in their presence, you know? Like, you, you, guess what, when, you, when, you, when we travel, when you go to this immigration officer, till then we are like very confident, US citizen, passport and all, but we land before the immigration officer suddenly stands still, look at the face, you're so afraid, right? You're just like, hope we don't mess up, we don't make the right mistake. Because, because we are in the presence of law, of justice, we are very conscious of our transgression, right? How much more in the presence of an almighty God who's perfect and brilliant and no spot, to stand before him confidently has to be not our righteousness. It has to be his imputed righteousness. Correct? That is why Jesus makes a very interesting statement. He said, watch and pray that you might be worthy to escape these things that will come to pass on the earth and and stand before the Son of Man. See, the church is called to stand in the front of man. You cannot stand in the front of the Son of Man if you are guilty. You see, but the church escapes all the tribulation and stands in the front of the Son of Man. That is confidence. That's confidence. Who can stand, the Bible says. In fact, on the world, when fire and brimstone comes, the, the world cries out and says, Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. I want you to go there. This is very powerful. Go to uh, Revelation. Book of Revelation. Because we are, we are coming to the end of the age. So, hope you all are listening to some of the messages. So, <laughs> we are coming to the end of the age. And it's going to happen suddenly. See, you'll think that you'll have a lot of warning before the rapture happens. I'm, let me disappoint you. You're going to have no warning. It's just going to happen like this when everything is going okay. When men are eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, suddenly it happens. It won't come with a lot of, you know, things are going downhill. And that's not when the time the rapture happens. See, the rapture happens when things are okay. After the rapture happens is when the things go downturn. You got it? You need to get this very clear. You won't have warning. It's going to happen during good times. When Noah went into the ark, he went in when times were good. When men were eating and drinking. When Lot left Sodom and Gomorrah, things were good in Sodom and Gomorrah. Good in the sense, there was peace according to status quo. In the, in, in the world peace, there was world peace, correct? People were going, there was business, it was a very prosperous city, there was a lot of riches. In fact, Sodom and Gomorrah was called as like the Garden of Eden. Did you know that? When Lot took the Sodom and Gomorrah, remember Adam, Abraham and Lot had to make a choice. He said, we can't, there are too many of us, we cannot share the same land, you choose one. So Lot looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and saw the land as fertile as the Garden of God. 
Can you believe Sodom and Gomorrah was that beautiful? So it was beautiful. That's when he brought him out. See, you get a paradigm shift. Are you waiting for Antichrist to show up before the rapture happens? No. It's not going to happen. You will be raptured before the Antichrist happens. That's, the Bible is very clear. We'll talk about it one of these days later more and more. Okay? But talking about stand, right? He said, watch and pray, uh, watch and pray that you may be found worthy to escape these things that will come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man. Correct? So the church is called to, number one, escape. Number two, stand. Correct? Okay. So this privilege of standing is not standing in judgment. We, we think that was as we are pulled from disaster to stand before a greater disaster. <laughs> Escaping from a small court to stand before the Supreme Court. No. <laughs> from the fire to the fire. You know, I'm escaped from earth to stand before God's throne to be judged. Doesn't make any logical sense, right? That's not the stand. That stand is to stand in confidence. You got it? See, the privilege of standing before the Son of Man can only happen if you're completely what? Completely righteous, God. What is the word? Completely perfect. Not perfect. At peace with God. But what? What is the word? Blameless. You have to be completely blameless if you have to stand before a judge. That is why God constantly says, He is faithful who will preserve you blameless. He does that. See, you cannot. That's why the word blameless is very important. Only a blameless guy can confidently stand before the Son of Man. Son of man is Jesus. Because God has appointed all judgment to his son. So he is the one who is judge now of all the earth. Father has submitted all judgment to Jesus. Now he's the one who is going to stand. So he says, you be worthy to be escaped to stand before the son of man. In judgment? No. Relax. Remember Jesus is in the church. His head is already raptured. His body is going to follow soon. Make sense? His head is already raptured. Head, who is the head of the church? Jesus. Jesus. His body has to follow. Have you ever had a problem where head is in one place and the body is in the other? That's a dichotomy. It doesn't work. So it has to catch up. That is why the word catch up. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Caught up. Is the body is going to get caught up to where the head is already gone. Isn't that beautiful? Kona means catch up. He has to catch up. He's gone. He's gone ahead. But we have to catch up. So we are caught up. Right? Make sense? Okay. So we are escaped to stand before the Son of Man. Okay. Now let's look at the response of the world to standing. Can they also stand before the Son of Man? Let's look at this. Okay. After the church is raptured, this is what happens. Look at this. Revelation chapter I don't know whether we are going to have a rabbit trail today because we are supposed to go to a different message. <laughs> but hopefully, we'll get there. Okay, let's look at uh, Revelation chapter uh, 6. Okay, so this is when stuff starts to happen on the earth after the church is raptured. And then finally, uh, Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. And I lo- looked and saw, I uh, behold, the sixth seal. And there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, as hair, 
and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind we thought we know this this was jesus himself used the same words and stars will fall from heaven right uh, it's throughout the old testament as prophesied okay then the sky receded as a scroll when it was rolled up man this whole atmosphere just gets moved out this that means the earth really shifts completely when the earth moves you'll start seeing the heavens move completely it's almost like like a scroll is removed i mean we are talking about crazy stuff the bible talks about it in isaiah it talks about it in jeremiah it talks about it like the, the earth will shake like a tent every building will fall and everything will be shaken out so we are talking about a disaster at a level the world has never seen it's going to happen as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind and every mountain and island was moved out from its place can you think about it every mountain and every island is moved out of its place we cannot take a little shaking pretty much the whole house that we are living, staying right now is built on the trust of gravity <laughs> i mean if you don't believe in gravity you won't even keep that thing that you would bind it down right this thing is not meant to take even a little bit of shaking we are not so that's why the kingdom of god cannot be shaken right only when the kingdom of god is removed out from this place the church is when the shaking can happen see that that again proves the point shaking cannot happen when the church is here so the rapture has to precede the shaking the bible says yet once more i will shake our shaking already happened when did our shaking happen on the cross remember we talked about that passage in that beautiful picture of what happened on the cross that three hours that happened on the cross was the shaking that happened to the church because he took all the shaking remember there was a big earthquake that thing happened right when the uh, earth was shaken that shaking was our shaking our shaking happened isn't that good but the re- so if you were not shake you you had to take partake of one shaking our shaking happened in Christ Jesus if you did not partake in that shaking your the other shaking you have to partake this is the shaking look at the shaking this is a crazy shaking and then the kings of the earth the great, look at all the people who talk look at this look at this read this verse 15 then the kings of the earth look at the hierarchy starts from the kings of the earth that means all the rulers the great men that means all the rich people all the industrialists the commanders all the army commanders the mighty men every slave and every free man guess what who does that cover everybody everybody who dwells on the face of the earth isn't it correct doesn't say christian here right every free man right every free man see the church is not there because the church is free technically right but this free is talking about free and slave that means everybody who is under authority every free so everybody is there any exception there no there's no exception here look at it every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains they all run to the caves in fact that is one of the reasons if you notice lot of the billionaires today are investing in underground bunkers the richest people in the world have underground bunkers what information do they have that the common people do not have because they know of things coming in the future in terms of cosmic activities why is the reason let me ask you this why is elon musk so keen to go to mars he is so convinced that the earth is going to be destroyed 
This guy is a, he's not a, he's not a fool. This guy is putting where his mouth is. How is Jeff Bezos, the one of the richest guy, the founder of Amazon, his biggest project right now is to leave Earth, to build uh, outer planetary uh, existence because he says Earth cannot survive too much. Thing. Stephen Hawkins, one of the renowned physicists of all time, uh, of our current generation, he believes in that the Earth is not going to survive. Right? Why is all the billionaires investing a lot of money in bunkers? You can show it. All the guys who are very rich have bunkers. They they are buying these nuclear silos and bunkers and buying stuff. I'm not in this this crazy stuff that I'm talking about. This is real. They are spending. In fact, it's a big business right now. What do they know of what's coming on the earth? Because they know something is coming on the earth. Not spiritually, but there is stuff happening, going to happen on the earth. There is very clear evidence of stuff coming to the earth. It's going to completely shake. And they are planning it in such an urgency. You should listen to Elon Musk interviews about his reason to going to Mars. He's, and that's why he's expediting uh, reusable uh, vehicles. Because the cost of transportation, he wants to push more stuff up to set up a settlement in Mars. In fact, his desire is to go to Mars. His own desire. Why? Because he believes that he cannot survive. And I know, I know it is true. We know it's going to happen. So guess what these guys do? They all hide themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains. They are going. So these, they go all into the bunkers. The poor guys are going to go into the mountains to find caves and go and hide. Because they cannot take all the stuff going outside. Because stuff is falling from heaven. The thing is getting shaken. You cannot stay in buildings because all the buildings are going to fall. <coughs> the houses are all going to fall. Everything is going to fall. So the only thing that they think is safe is mountains. But the mountains are shaking. So they are all running there. And then they say to the mountains and the rocks, what do they say? Look at this. Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who is the wrath of the Lamb? Wrath of the Lamb is Jesus. Wrath of Jesus. That means Jesus is coming to judge. Isn't that? And then it says, For the great day of his wrath, the wrath of the Lamb, has come. And look at how it closes. But who is able to stand? Who is able to stand? That means nobody can stand before Jesus. You, we think about Jesus as nice, nice Jesus. But you cannot stand before Jesus. You cannot stand before Jesus. Because you have not seen Jesus. Everybody who saw Jesus in his resurrected form was afraid. Peter, James and John saw him on Mount of Transfiguration and they fell down as dead. And Jesus touched them and said, do not fear. John saw him in Revelation chapter 1 or chapter 2. Chapter 1, I think. And he fell down and stared. Nobody can stand. He said, who can stand? And look at the answer. So they cannot stand, right? Look at who can stand. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. And these things I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one can number. Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Doing what? Standing. <laughs> this is so beautiful. So this answered the question. So the people on the earth are asking, who can stand? Correct? And John's, the angels chose John, the people who can stand. Who are the people who are standing? Okay. 
So John also wants to know who are these people, correct? Then one of the elders, verse 13, then one of the elders answered and saying, so John does not ask this question, but John has this question in his mind. Who are these guys who are standing? None of the people on the earth can stand. Who are these people who are standing? But he doesn't ask that question. So the elder asks on his behalf, who are these arrayed in white robes, number one, and where did they come from? So these are the ones who are standing. And I said to them, sir, you know, that was my question. I want to ask you the same question. Who are these guys who are in white robes? And they are standing before the Lamb of God. He said, these are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are before the throne of God and serve Him night and day in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger no more or thirst no more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd and lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Who is this people? The church. But He says, they came out of great tribulation. They came as they escaped out. Of the great tribulation. They were pulled out. And they are washed themselves in the blood of the lamb. They are white. And they stand. And God who shepherds them? The lamb himself shepherds them. And God wipes away every tear from the eye. Only when they reach heaven? No. The church is wiped. Our tears are wiped away right now. Remember the first thing that Jesus told Mary Magdalene. When he was resurrected was what? Why do you weep? Because he's starting the ministry of wiping away tears. He never said that, why do you weep before to anybody? Because there was a reason to weep. In fact, he told the woman who was weeping for Jesus in Jerusalem, looking at his suffering, what did he tell him? Weep for yourself. <laughs> because if you don't believe in me, you better weep. Because things are going to be crazy on the earth. But if you believe in me, don't have to weep. Isn't that good? Don't have to weep. God, Jesus, wipes away every tear from our eyes. So it is, it is for right now. Right now. Okay. So let's just pray. I know we didn't start by praying, but let's start the message. Father, we pray for your word. We pray for your anointing. We pray for your Holy Spirit to teach us. Truths from the word of God. Father, anoint us, O Master, and reveal your Son through the scriptures. And bless us, O Lord, with this revelation. For in the revelation of Jesus Christ is our peace and our fullness. We thank you and we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message is today, The Warfare Has Ended. Warfare Has Ended. Boldness in the day of judgment. I think that kind of lines up with what you are saying. Boldness in the day of judgment. Correct? So where, where is our judgment? Where is our judgment? Is our judgment in heaven? Or is our judgment right now on the earth? Our judgment? Or the church? Who judges us? And is our, where is our judgment? Think about it. Who judges us? Does God judge us now? No. no. Because he already judged his son Jesus Christ. Correct? Correct. So who judges us right now? Satan still judges us. Correct? So he judges us because he's an adversary. 
His right, his judgment is not true, but he still judges us. But God doesn't judge us. That is past, correct? So if God doesn't judge us, so uh, so he cannot judge us on the earth. Amen. He doesn't judge us in heaven, correct? There is no judgment in heaven. It's a bima seat, which is called a reward seat. That's not a judgment seat. That's a reward seat. Correct? That's a reward seat. The Bible says of bima seat in Greek. The, we, we shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That is mistranslated in the Old Testament. As the original word is bima seat. Bima seat is where you get the Stephanos. Stephanos is where you get the crowns. It's called like come to the podium. <laughs> you don't go to the podium to be judged. You go to the podium to get your Stephanos. Correct? So that's the Bhima seat. There are two words for judgment seat. The Krino means judgment. Bhima means reward. The word there, the judgment seat of Christ is called the Bhima seat of Christ. The reward seat of Christ. Correct? The church is always going to stand before the reward seat of Christ. We know that for sure because Jesus himself said, if he gives even as a cup of little water, why shall no means lose their? The Bhima. Their reward. They will not lose their reward. I mean, he's, you're going to be so surprised on the stuff that you're going to get rewarded for. You're like, seriously, Jesus, you, you're going to reward me for this and this. You know, have you been to an award ceremony when one guy keeps on getting a lot of awards? <laughs> you, you're going to have that kind of feeling when you just land over. Annie, come forward. No, and after some time, Annie says, Annie, come again. <laughs> you're going to have this constant thing, refrain of your name being called and called and called and called and called. You know, after some time you sit in this award thing, yeah, that's it. He's only going to get it, right? That's what you're going to get. Because he's going to, seriously, for this, for this, for this, that's what you're going to get. Because he's so happy to reward you. He's so happy to reward you. So we stand before the Bhima seat of Christ. So, so, so we don't have judgment in heaven. We don't have judgment on the earth from God. But we are judged by an adversary here on where? On the earth. So we have boldness where? In heaven or on the earth? Boldness here on the earth. Why? We don't need boldness in heaven because he, you see him face to face. So as he is, so are we. Correct? But today, you know that today you are as Jesus is in heaven. We have boldness right now and our warfare is ended. Correct? So I want you to understand this concept of, I mean, I want it. I know it's a small group, but I think it's a very important group because you all can go to minister this message to a lot of people all across the world. If you understand this truth, I'm going to make it as plain as possible. If you understand this truth, what we're going to say today, you will have a very righteous foundation to believe for great things because it'll be easy for you to believe for it. Make sense? It will become very easy for you because you don't have to do this. You don't have to, you won't have this great um, pressure to have faith to believe for stuff. You know, the reason you want, you always like, I need to have great faith is, it's not biblical. Correct? Because Bible says faith as small as a mustard seed is good, right? You don't have to pray hard. Because there is no biblical reference to praying hard. In fact, there is no pray soft. Correct? There is nothing. There is earnest prayer. One mention of earnest prayer is where Elijah prayed earnestly. And if you go back in the Bible, 
and see where, where, where Elijah prayed earnestly, that prayer was just one, two words or few words. That's it. And God said, Elijah prayed earnestly that there might not be rain. And there was no rain. But if you go back and see how he prayed, he just prayed. He said, there will be no rain. <laughs> and, and God calls that earnest faith, earnest prayer. And the prayer where he bowed down seven times, praying for the rain, the Bible says, and he prayed and it rained. <laughs> so the hard earnest prayer, God doesn't call it earnest prayer. But the simple prayer, God calls it earnest prayer. Totally contrary to how you think. Brother, this is a cancer patient. You better pray hard. <laughs> this is a headache. No problem, brother. I have faith for you. You know? See, because you don't understand, it is the same price by paid by the same one man. Amen? So if the one who has won you the victory is one responsible for your spoils, does it matter whether you get a chocolate or a house? What difference it makes? You never bought it. It is his credit card. He bought it. Right? It's not even a credit card. It's a debit card. Right? I mean, credit card is to be paid later. Debit is like of, of his riches that we receive. So, if it has come from him for everything, so what big deal if you prayed hard or soft or high or long, as long as you have a righteous basis on why you need to receive. Make sense? Are you getting it? Yes. Hopefully you'll get it at the end of this. Because I'm going to take a passage which is very interesting. Which is very, it looks on the surface, it'll look like seriously. How can this guy do this stuff? And yet God says, he's humble. And you look at this. And we talked about it last time. And we're going to continue that series. We're going to continue. Your warfare is ended. Very exciting. I, I love this. We are going to cover three characters in this study today. Job, Hezekiah, Peter and you. Four characters. Job, Hezekiah, Peter and you. Talking about this whole travail of faith and, and a righteous basis. Amen? Okay, let's look at this. Let's go to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah chapter 37. I really, I really pray that you will get this truth. If you get this truth, man, it will set you free. It will set you free and you start believing for crazy stuff. I'm going to say, Isaiah chapter 37. Okay, let's read it. Uh, Job, Hezekiah, Peter, and you. Come on, repeat after me. Peter and you. Okay, I'm going to look at the, look. It's powerful. It seems the Bible, the whole concept of judgment. Talk about judgment, right? That's all we have been judged. Constantly we have been judged on the earth. Right. Okay. Why we should not receive good things in our life? Because we are judged. Seriously. That's why we don't believe we get to good things. Because we are constantly judged. It appears as if you are judging yourself, but it's really the adversary. But he uses your voice to judge you. Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah chapter 37. Okay. So if you don't finish this, we'll continue some other time. Okay. So whenever you think it's like too much, just raise your hand. <laughs> and I will just stop, right? Okay, because it's a, it's a it's an extensive study. Like all studies are extensive. I mean, I mean, Isaiah chapter. Because if you go to a Hezekiah, finish Job, Peter might take a little longer time. You know, we might stop there. Isaiah chapter thirty-seven. 
Okay. Uh, Isaac chapter 37, 38, and 39. So that's uh, three chapters. I want you to go and read it yourself at home. Correct? Read Isaiah chapter 37, 38, and 39. It's a powerful picture of a great, a very powerful king, Assyria, King, uh, king Sennacherib of Assyria. And his, his statue is in the British Museum in London. This guy is a historical figure, very powerful. He's, he's, he's very famous in the Assyrian side. In fact, there are statues, very cruel. Assyrian, this Assyrian king really came down and besieged Israel. And uh, God, Hezekiah prayed and it's a miracle that happened and how uh, God destroyed the armies. Okay, but more than that, guess what happened? Uh, Isaiah chapter 38. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order for you shall die and not live. Right? What's, going to ha what's happening here? Judgment is happening. Correct? He's now getting judged. Correct? Look at what... Then Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. And then said, remember now, O Lord, I pr Lord, I pray, how I walked before you in? In truth. He uses a very interesting word. He never uses, I walked uh, according to your law. He doesn't use the word law. I want you to get this concept very powerful today. Of the concept of truth. Okay? Understand this concept. So when you read this word truth in the Old Testament and New Testament, it will take a totally different meaning after you study this passage today. Right? He's not saying, I walk before you according to the law. Because he knew he has not walked according to the law. I'll prove it to you. Right? He says, I walk according to the truth. With a loyal heart. And I've done what is good in your sight. See? Good in your sight. Very interesting. Because God loves truth. God loves truth. God loves truth. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah and said, Go to Hezekiah and say, Thus says the Lord God of David your father, not of Moses, of David, a God of loving kindness and mercy. Right? He's now getting ready to bless him through an inheritance. Whenever he refers to your father who is a king, he's not telling you, I'm going to give you an inheritance of Mercy. Right? Right? When you're like son of David, that means you are now getting ready to receive from the Messiah, who is the son of David. Right? David, I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. It's a picture of... 15 is a picture of what? 15 is a multiple of... 5. How many fives? 3 fives. Perfect grace. Five, five, five. I'll add to you perfect grace. That means I will give it to you not because of what you did, but because you asked favor from me. You didn't say I walked according to the law. You just asked favor from me. I'll give it to you because remember the last time we studied about Hezekiah. How do you return to God? With your words. You say receive me. Graciously. Beautiful Rajesh. That's the word you should come. Use exact words when you come to God. Don't say I've walked according to the law. I've done all this for the poor. I've did this for the church. I have a ceiling fan named after me in the church. You know. <laughs> you know that's not going to get you into the good. Like the people did. Remember when a, a ruler or ruler's son was uh, sick. The Jews sent message to Jesus saying. He has done. 
good things for our people and built a synagogue. Same problem. Not saying receive us graciously. See? So therefore Jesus could not heal. He had to keep walking, 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 walking. Until the word came from the centurion says, Why? What are you doing? Why are you, why are you coming to my house? Just say the word and I'll be healed. So obviously, the message was lost in translation. Right? <laughs> he wanted Jesus to just heal him freely. But the message by the time it went to Jesus was, He has built a synagogue. See how pride comes in and hinders his prayer? See, it's so easy to receive when you say, receive us graciously. If you go to, go to God, say that I have done this, I have fasted, I have prayed, I have done this, I have been a good church member, get ready for delay. See, one of the, one of the reasons is Christianity, and you see that with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, they always tell you, people who don't deserve get healed faster than the people who deserve in the church. Have you seen that? The people who are very holy, and who are very righteous. Seem to die. With a lot of prayer. When the whole church is praying for them. And they die. But a heathen. Who has just got saved. Gets healed. Or a heathen gets healed. And then gets saved. Because of his healing. Because the one who is healed. Receives it as a gift. Not because of what. How good he was. You see that problem? the problem of what delays your press is your sense of entitlement and deserving so the in the areas of your life where you your prayers are hindered check for self-righteousness beautiful areas of delay in your life check for self-righteousness because in those areas you deserve to be blessed I've seen that in my children's life. I've seen that in my own life. In the areas that I was weak, I am very blessed. In the areas that I think I'm very good, I constantly have losses. <laughs> I mean, so, so it's like, wake up and smell the coffee. Start saying to God, receive, receive me graciously. Right? Oh, sorry. So go back there. So he got it. See, in the, in the old covenant, he got that blessing. Okay? And then he said, so finally God heals him. And uh, look at the verse this. And God gives him a sign that the sun died. You don't, you don't, do you know the story? Okay. Everybody knows the story. How God miraculously heals him. And he puts him a portifice of figs on it. And he covered that what is his figs. Figs is the fruit of Jesus Christ. Correct? He is the only fig tree that has perfect figs. All of the fig trees is cursed. That's a picture of... The fruit of Jesus Christ is the fruit that heals, not your fruit. The potiphus of figs out here is whose figs? The potiphus of figs is whose figs? Jesus. Why is it called a poultice? Not potiphus. <laughs> poultice. What is, what is a poultice? Debbie, what's a poultice? Poultice is figs that are crushed. Make sense? Jesus was crushed for our healing. Correct? So his figs was... That's why he said... Remember Jesus gave a parable. A fig tree was planted in a vineyard. And they came year after year to finding fruit on the fig tree. And he never found fruit. Then he finally he said... The master, the master says... Why does it take up the ground? Cut it down. Correct? Then the, the 
the caretaker of the vineyard says, let it alone for one more year and let me dig around it. The word there is, let me fertilize it. That's the word, right? Actually, in the Greek, the word is, let me dung it. That means, let me put more rubbish around it and see whether it will bear fruit. If not, let it be cut down. So, the fig tree that does not bear fruit is who? You and I in the flesh or Israel in that, in that picture of that context is Israel who depends on its flesh to uh, receive fruits. Remember they, Adam and Eve also covered themselves with fig trees, right? Because they are depending on their fig tree to cover them, their nakedness, their sickness, their disease and trying to wait for fruits. Remember it's the same fig tree that Jesus comes to Jerusalem and says he looks leaves but he doesn't find figs. Again figs. You see this problem that those fig trees don't produce fruits, but always, almost always gives an appearance as if there is fruit. But there are only leaves, no fruit. So the caretaker says, let me fertilize around it. That means, let me dung it more. That means, let me come to it and say that your righteousness is worthless and rubbish. Let me give it one more year for you to recognize that your righteousness is worthless. And one more year, if it doesn't believe that your righteousness is worthless, cut it down. Because it's not going to produce fruit anyway. Got the concept? That is why the temple was not destroyed immediately after Jesus died. Think about it. Why did the temple was not destroyed even though the presence of God had left the temple? Why? Think about it. The temple was a picture of a fig tree without fruit, but with its self-righteousness in Jerusalem. Right? They didn't want the real fig tree, the real fig that was crushed. They wanted their own righteousness. So what God, they, God was fulfilling that parable saying, wait for it for one more generation and let me dung it. So when Stephen and everybody preached for 70 years, the church saying that your righteousness is lousy. Saul preached, lousy, lousy, lousy. And they, didn't, they still did not believe it. Then the temple was destroyed. So how beautiful a picture of a fig tree that was finally destroyed. But he gave it one more generation. What is one more generation? 70 years. See, such a beautiful picture. Give it one more year. Let me dung it. Let me call his righteousness rubbish. In fact, Paul used the same picture. I, Philippians, he says, my righteousness, I am of the tribe of uh, Benjamin, of, uh, bought under Gamaliel. I'm the, on the, on the most, he went to the Ivy League of Judaism. He was. You would not become a student of Gamaliel until you are a select, 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 until you have memorized the Torah, Torah in those times. They would not make you a disciple of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was like the Ivy League school of Judaism. And Paul was from Gamaliel. And he said, I do not boast in it and I consider, consider it all dung. Same word. Guess what? When he considered it dung, he got his fruit in Christ Jesus. You beautiful? How church is also trying to become righteous and doesn't get anything. Apply the crushed fruit of Jesus Christ on your wounds. Okay. Okay. 
So let them apply a lump of fikes and apply it as a, a poultice on the boil and he shall recover. By his stripes we shall be healed. Not by your hard praying and your hard meditation and your hard intercession and you know somehow we have, to, we have this great feeling that we have to pay a great price for great healings and great victories and great favor. Seriously, it's the same fix. Crush it and pull it. In fact, I was just reading today in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John prayed for the lame and he said, look at me. <laughs> this, is what he said. this is so beautiful. I just read it today. Peter and John, look at the lame guy who's at the entrance of the temple. They're walking into the temple. They look at him saying, as if to get arms. And he says, look at us. What do you think we have? Nothing. <laughs> he's, he's telling him, look at us and see that we have nothing. See how Christianity has changed. Look at us. I can pray. <laughs> no. Look at us. We don't cut it. Silver and gold I have none. But what I have, such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then he clarifies it. They all were amazed and they come to him. And they, the first response of Peter to the people who are astounded was, what? Why do you marvel? As if by our godliness. See, immediately he is attacking the perception of righteousness. Immediately, because he knows anytime there is a sense of righteousness, he says, Why do you marvel as if by our godliness has this man been made whole? Know this. It's not our godliness, but the, his name and power in his name has given this man soundness of health. Wow! That is perfect soundness. So you say, no, but why, why, is my, why is my child not completely healed? See, you want perfect soundness? <laughs> Get ready for perfect garbage of your, of your, of your self. Where you say, no, 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 it's not about how much I pray or how much I struggled or how much I did. You have to get this rid of this sense of entitlement in your mind. You see, think about it. It's very hard, right? Especially when you have suffered so much in your life in those areas, that becomes a stronghold. That's why the Bible says, do not say in your heart, I shall go up into heaven or do not say in your heart, I will go down into hates. For if you say, I'll go up into heaven, it is like to bring Christ down. If you say I'll go to Hades, it is to bring Christ up. Because he did go down to Hades for you. He did go up into heaven in perfect righteousness. But in perfect sin, he went and did the perfect penalty. You cannot match either. You cannot take perfect judgment, nor can you take perfect righteousness. So, quit! <laughs> Sorry. So, quit! Got this problem? You cannot be perfect righteous. Nor you can be, be perfectly judged. So why do this partial business? Get rid of flesh. Put no confidence in flesh. <laughs> the Bible constantly says, put little confidence in flesh. See? Flesh profits something. See how consistent that word is. Flesh Prophets, nothing. What is flesh? Flesh is not your propensity to sin. No, that is not the Bible definition of flesh. 
Flesh is your propensity. <laughs> Look at this is so good. Flesh is your propensity to do good things on your own way. It's exactly the opposite. Flesh is not your propensity to sin. Flesh is your propensity to try to do good in your own strength. See, therefore, it is very deceptive. It makes it appear that you have a role to play in your blessing. While the truth is that there is no role allotted to you or provided for you or possible for you. Let me repeat. There is no role allotted to you, provided for you or possible for you. Because you cannot go up nor you can go down. Make sense? Are you coming to a realization of flesh profits nothing? So, if flesh profits nothing and if it is only the name of Jesus, if it is only the name of Jesus and power in his name that provides perfect soundness, guess what? Use his name. How? Come on Annie. How do you use his name? Freely. Without a sense of how godly or ungodly you are. Come on, you all need to get this in your head. See, you have to believe that this name can be used without you being godly or ungodly. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? That you can use this name without being godly or ungodly? Do you believe that? If you have any doubt about it. The word doubt is krino in the Bible. Doubt means condemnation. You are condemned and you cannot receive. Not because he cannot give, you cannot receive. Because you can only receive freely. Like for example, let me give you an example. It was very powerful. I have a, I have a watch. I want to give you this watch. Uh, George, I want to give you this watch. Correct? So, hey George, I really want to give you this watch. I know you wanted this watch. You have this old Casio, whatever this such thing is. But <laughs> you love to... <laughs> but you want my watch. And then really, I want to give you this watch. So you like... So, so she's like excited that Anil is going to give my watch. I don't know whether I'm going to, but... <laughs> He's like freely received, right? So, so he... So, but, but he, so he knows I want to give him this watch. I've given it to, I want to give it to him, right? So, so he wants, he, he comes and says, Anil, you, you said you want to give me this watch, right? So he said, yeah, sure. George, here is your watch. So I give him this watch. So he takes this watch. He goes around. He goes out into the room. After some time, he comes with me with $150 to me. Correct? So what do I do? I say, no, no, no. I cannot, I cannot. Give you this watch for 150. I cannot give you this watch for 150 because this watch is not worth 150. A watch is worth a million dollars. I cannot I cannot give it. But you said you will give it to me. Yes, I'll give it to you, but I'll give it to you freely. But he says, but the moment you start giving me a dollar amount, suppose he says, no, but, but why don't you take $20? Can I give the watch to him? See, it's not one million. It's not one million. So he so he cannot. I, I cannot give it to him for twenty dollars because it's the price is one million. The only way he can receive this watch is how? Freely. Freely. That means by not 
giving me any money. But if he, if he wants to give me a money, what happens to the watch? No, he doesn't get the watch. <laughs> because it's an insult to me. Right? Because the watch is, the moment he puts a value of $20 on it, means what? This watch is only, correct, you got your point. What she said is true. The value of this watch drops to $20. When it is a million dollars. So it is not about how much he can pay. Because he can never pay me a million dollars. For this watch. But he can pay maybe a thousand dollars. Maybe five thousand dollars. But I cannot give him for five thousand. Because it is a million dollars. George don't you get it. It's a million dollars. So you get the point. When you try to give something. For the free mercies of God. You are devaluing the gift. And the gift cannot be transitioned. Because the Bible says very clear. My house shall be a house of. Prayer, not of buying and selling. Shall not. So in his house, it shall always be a house of asking. Be anxious concerning nothing. But in in something, something, in everything, present your petitions with thanksgiving. See, look at petitions means what? Supplications means keep asking. You only ask when you don't deserve it. When you cannot pay for it. You don't go to the Walmart and say, so, okay, this is beautiful. I need to get you this picture because this is a very powerful picture. So, Walmart has all the stuff lined up. Wall to wall, aisles packed up, everything. So, you go to Walmart because you want to buy, say what? What do you want to buy? Adisha, what do you want to buy? Huh? Oh, she goes all the way. <laughs> I think that must be the most expensive thing is Walmart. I don't think there's anything more than smart TV. If you're going to go for it, go all the way to a smart TV, right? So you go to the smart TV. There are racks of smart TV displays, all brands out there in the appliance section. But Anusha doesn't go to the place where the smart TV is kept. She goes to the customer service department and says, Can you please give me a smart TV? What is she saying? Correct! But if she goes to the cashier, what is she doing? She has the capacity to pay. God wants you in the customer service department, not in the cashier's department. You get this? Your prayers should be prayers of asking, not of transaction. This is very powerful. Are you talking to God as a cashier or are you to the customer service department? Jesus says, the son of man has come not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Who is the chief customer service officer for you? Jesus himself. We demand. Do you, do you ever tell customer service, I did this, I did this. You're, it's, it's mine. I get it. I need it. If you want to en- 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 have a transaction, Go to the cashier. You got the picture? My house shall be a house of customer service. Not of buying and selling. Think about it that way now. Because then you can receive smart TV. Otherwise you can only receive the toy TV. <laughs> Which
which you get to get, pick up from the below the cashier's area where stuff they had the small trinkets kept there. That's what you get. So many times you walk out from prayer picking up those small trinkets from the cashier side, not the smart TV at the back. Well, you could have constantly gone to the customer service and said, I heard there's a promotion this year. The one who wears a pin strip and walks in gets a smart TV free. I am wearing a red pin strip washed by the blood of Jesus. I heard there's a promotion this year. I receive all things freely. Can you give it to me? Sure. See, that's how you get in. Name and power in his name has produced soundness of health. You got it? Look at me. I have nothing. <laughs> Look at me. So it's so cool, right? My godliness has nothing to do with this. In fact, the more you think that you're godly, your prayers seem to get delayed. So in the area of delayed prayers, check your righteousness. And substitute it with his righteousness. This is very powerful. Very, very powerful picture. Very powerful picture of just basic understanding. We always, we always know it, but there is this propensity of godliness also coming in as deceiving us in the manner of Christianity. No, that's not. That's flesh still. Going down, going up is flesh. Going down is also flesh. If you say you don't deserve it because you are unworthy, 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 that's also pride, right? But you have to believe that it is. you can walk boldly into the throne of customer service. Grace is customer service. Grace is not a transaction play. We boldly come before the throne of grace and receive help in time of need. Look <laughs> at all that thing. Come to him free. Amen. We did not even start on the message. But look at it. Let's look at Isaiah chapter. So what did he say? So Isaiah chapter 37. But I think we'll, we'll finish Hezekiah and then we'll stop. But I will let's Hezekiah. So at this time, so, so Isaiah had this great miracle. Amen. He gets healed. So this guy gets healed. And now he becomes very proud. So it's so funny. He gets very proud. And look at what happens. Isaiah chapter uh, 39. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. Hezekiah was pleased with them and showed him the house of his treasures. Now, is this guy rich? This guy is very prosperous. God, he has given him health and God has put all his enemies under him. And the greatest superpower in those times, the king of Babylon is recognizing him. Wow, this guy is arrived. He's arrived there. Okay. So he showed him all his treasuries, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious ointment and all his armory, all that are found among his treasures. There was nothing in his house or in his dominion that Hezekiah did not show them. Then, Heze then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say and from where did they come to you? So Hezekiah said, they came to me from a far country from Babylon. And he said, what have they seen in your house? So Hezekiah answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. Then, 
Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming. When all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon, nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, whom you will, you will beget. And they shall be Enoch's in the palace of the house of in the king of Babylon. So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is... How does that make sense? Did you read that? This is not a mistranslation. It is exactly what Hezekiah said. Hezekiah said, The word that you have said is good. Get ready. Get ready to understand peace and truth. Just what did he say? Isaiah said, All that is in your house will be taken away. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house shall be until this, until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. They shall take away some of your sons who are who are, will descend from you and you shall beget and they shall be Enoch's in the palace of the king of Babylon. King of Babylon is a picture of Satan. That means everything, he'll be everything. And this king Ezekiel, this guy is a godly king because he's under favor of God, right? Look what he says. The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Say good. Good. I want you to recognize what Hezekiah said. If you understand this truth, see how accurate he is. He says, the word of the Lord, what, what he has spoken is good. For he said, and he's now, he's answering your question. Why is this word good? Look at what his answer is. At least there will be peace and truth in my days. This is huge. Why? Because Hezekiah, while, while he was very rich, remember he has great health. He has just been given 15 more years to live. He has great wealth. There is peace around him. But he knows that he is under judgment. Right? He knows that he is under judgment. But he doesn't know whether judgment is coming tonight, tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. So can he have peace? No, you cannot have peace, brothers and sisters, when you are prosperous. Unless you know that the price has been paid. Unless there is no more judgment. See, just because you are prosperous doesn't mean that you have peace. Peace is knowing that price, someone is paying for my judgment. That is peace. Do you see? That is really powerful. Because once you know that, so in his case, what does Hezekiah say? At least there will be what? Peace and truth. Why peace? Peace is now. What does it mean? Peace means absence of conflict. But also this word peace is not what we word of English word peace. No. This is what is the Hebrew word for peace here. Shalom. That means all will be well while you are, you are alive. Right? All will be well. 
But for all to be well, there should be a righteous basis for that to happen. Correct? That is provided by the truth. What is the truth? Truth is God's word. What is the God's word out here? God's word is, you will not pay for your sins. Who will pay for your sins? Your sons will pay for your sins. And Hezekiah says that word of the Lord is good. Because I will not pay for my sins. Someone else will pay for my sins. And that is, will give me shalom. But it is backed up by truth. What is the truth? Another will definitely pay. Say another will definitely pay. Isn't that good? Truth is knowing for sure that another will definitely pay. Write it down. Truth is knowing for sh- knowing for yourself that another will definitely pay. In this case, Hezekiah says, "My sons will pay for my transgressions," and therefore, guess what? I will be prosperous during my time. But you say, Anand, that is not fair. And God doesn't have problems with it. Do you see God rebuking him for that? Let me prove it to you that God doesn't have a problem with that. Let's read the first verse of the next chapter. Read it. Come on, somebody read it. George, can you read it? Comfort. Yes, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is gone. For she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Awesome! See? <laughs> so God is saying, that's it! That is, that's what God calls truth. That means because Hezekiah believed the truth, he had peace. So what is the truth? The truth is comfort to Jerusalem because you will receive double for your sins. Double what? Double punishment? No, then you don't say comfort, right? Com- you don't say comfort, comfort. Sushir, you know, don't worry. Your, your sins are all paid, covered. But, but you know, tomorrow I'll catch you. you know? That's not comfort. You know, today you get free, but tomorrow you'll pay double. That is not comfort. Comfort, comfort by Jerusalem because you will receive double for your sins. Why double? Because another has paid. Another is paying. Why? Isn't Jesus a son of Hezekiah? How do you know that? Can you prove it? Correct. Matthew. Do you know that it is true? What Cyril was telling, let's go to Matthew. I want you to know that a son of Hezekiah paid the price. Isn't that cool? Okay, let's go to Matthew. For the first time, Hezekiah, the genealogy will make sense. Okay. Verse 10. Isn't Jesus... Is he, is he there in the genealogy? Yes. Did his son pay? Yes. Was his son taken captive? Yes. 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 Are you sure the son was not taken captive? Are you sure Jesus was taken captive? Yes. 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 He was taken captive. 
Correct? Was he made an Enoch in the palace of Bab- king of Babylon? Enoch means what? Cut off. Was he cut off? He was cut off, the Bible says, in the prime of his youth. Psalm says, in my prime of my youth, I was cut off. So he, became, he was cut off. He was taken captive. And he was made naked completely. And every piece of possession was taken from him. Isn't it? Amen? And the bulls of Bashan surrounded him. Who are the bulls of Bashan? No. Was the demonic powers. It's a picture of all Satan's kingdom. Surrounded him. And they gaped at him. Psalms talks about him. He became captive for us. Because Hezekiah saw Jesus. And said, the word of the Lord is God. That's why Isaiah 53 starts by saying, who has believed this report? This is the word of God. Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Isn't that beautiful? That is why there is peace, shalom in Hezekiah's time. So how did you get peace and truth? Shalom means restoration of all things. Means when you know another has paid the price. You need to know for that. That's man. Another has paid. Now, for Hezekiah, it was in the future. But for you, it is in the past. So now you can be confident. Now, now you don't have to be afraid that I, how can I deserve this prosperity? No. You rightfully receive all things because another did pay for it. I know it has, this is the gospel. But this is truth. Remember you always understood he who believes the truth. The truth shall set you free. Remember the word Jesus said? The son of man, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What is the truth? Yes, therefore you will be free. Truth is knowing that another has paid the price. See, this is the most beautiful example of the definition of truth. So whenever you stand before this great God, for every need in your life, come to him with, as children of truth, saying, hmm, another paid the price for me, so I receive it freely. The word of the Lord is good. Another has paid the price. I receive for it freely. I receive for it. So he says, comfort my people. So your warfare has So who is this warring against you? Was God at war against you? Satan was at war against you using God's armor. What was God's armor? The law. He was using God's law against you to judge you here in the earth. Correct? So Hezekiah was, though Hezekiah was under favor of God, but he was being judged. That's why he was about to be killed. He said, set your house in order. You don't tell a guy to set your house in order if his house was already in order. He's going to die because he's, he's not facing judgment. Let me ask you a question. Where is he facing judgment? On the earth or in heaven? On the earth. So, did he receive boldness after this word? Yes. Why did he receive boldness after this word? Because he was judged. And more than that, he, yeah, he knew, he knew the truth. He knew that he was judged. 
So now when he knows that he's judged, and now guess what happened? The next day, a physician, uh, uh, he hears a report that the king of Babylon is arrayed at his borders. What is his response? He doesn't care. Because he just heard the word of God that it's not going to happen in his lifetime, but it is going to definitely happen in in son's lifetime. So it is definitely, it is not a free gift. It's not, what do you call it? There's a righteous basis for his prosperity right now. It is not free. It's free to him, but it is not free. Make sense? It is not free. It is free to him, but it is not free. Is that good? Let me give you this example of this watch that I was supposed to give George. <laughs> a million dollars man million dollars okay so if I give him this watch but suppose he knows that I have a side business of smuggling <laughs> it's very important right if I know that I also have a side business of smuggling and I he gets this gift Watch from me free. Does he have peace? No. Why? No, 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 no. Hold it, hold it, hold it. I just, I told you that he didn't pay a price. He received it freely from me. So why doesn't he not have peace? Because sometimes people just have to pay for that. Because when they catch, they might have to pay. Correct. Because this watch has not. Number one, what? It is free. And it is paid for. Do you get this? That is truth. Truth needs to have two components to it. The fact that it is free. And it is paid for. You need to know it has a righteous basis for you to receive. You know, believers, we walk around thinking, Oh, but I don't deserve to be a billionaire. Because you feel that you are getting it. As if smuggled goods. <laughs> like God is giving you to, you know, I don't know whether he deserves it, but you know, it's as if you you don't deserve it. That means you some you have not paid enough price for it. Yeah. Did you get it? See, many times in, in receiving from God, you want to not only pay a price for it, but you don't know whether someone has paid for it. So you don't know that because you don't know somebody has paid for you don't think that nobody should have that. But if you know that somebody has paid for it and it is sitting there unclaimed and it is your name on it you feel now feel bad not receiving it. Isn't it? So that's how our posture should be in the Christian life. The Christian life is it is free and it is paid for. It is free and it is paid for. It is free and it's paid for. So now when Hezekiah hears a report that the king of Babylon is arrayed at the board, he doesn't care. He knows it's paid for. It's paid for. And it's not hap- uh, somebody, and it is free to me. I don't have to do anything. And I already received the word of God freely. Hezekiah, Isaiah came to him without asking for it. He came and gave it to him and he gave it. And God calls it good. Next verse says, comfort my children. Comfort. I have blessed you. I bless you. I want you to go to quickly to, let's go to Isaiah chapter 
22. Show you the show you the price that was paid. Isaiah chapter 22. Isaiah chapter 22. Verses 20 onwards. Now this is uh, Isaiah is prophesying about his servant uh, uh, Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus but look at the picture that he uses he uses a very interesting character he says and it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Jesus came he, he was a son but came as a servant correct he came was born of of a woman born under the law under the law you are a servant correct so he was born he called him a servant he came to serve I I will call my servant Eliakim. Eliakim. The word Eliakim means God. E L L means God. Eliakim means God will raise up. Beautiful picture. God is going to raise up somebody. Not raise up in terms of exaltation. No, 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 no. Raise up as mean physically being lifted up. Who was physically lifted up? Jesus. as the son of man as moses lifted up the bronze serpent so the son of man will be lifted up it's a picture of crucifixion correct hang it's a picture of lift up the tent or hang the tent he was lifted up in that sense elia came the son of hilkia i will clothe him with whose robe your robe very powerful so he's getting ready to do something is getting ready to do very something very powerful L- listen to this how accurate this prophecy is i will clothe him with your robe i will strengthen him with your your belt i will commit your responsibility into his hand wow are you getting excited okay keep reading he shall be a father to the inhabitants of jerusalem and to the house of judah the key of the house of david i will lay on his shoulder so when he says i will give the key of the house of david to to lay it on his shoulder he's saying that this guy who i'm going to raise him this man will be responsible for the house of david beautiful so he shall open and no one shall shut he shall shut and no one shall open so now he's responsible for good and for bad See now, once you make given power of attorney to one person, that guy can do both good and bad. So now you're getting ready for a great responsibility. He's now taking your robes. That means he's now identifying with your stuff. He, your responsibility is now his responsibility. So what is your posture? Now you're now now you're now watching, looking at him. because every your destiny your future your prosperity is now completely linked to him correct because god has raised him up he's eliakim he's god has raised him up so such a beautiful picture of jesus keep reading the key of the house of david i will lay on his shoulder so he shall open and no one shall shut he shall shut and no one shall open i will fasten him as a peg in a sure place and he will become a glorious throne through his father's house so he god is going to fasten him as a peg in a secure place so jesus is in heaven secured and a secure place amen it's a secure place because there is no evil there there is no 
danger there. He's in a secure place and he's in a glorious place. Correct? Look at what God does to this pet. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house. That means all the prosperity. All the offspring. That means everybody is responsible. The posterity. All vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pictures. So he's using a picture of an actual hook. He says, I'm going to make this person as a hook in this house. In a secure place. It shall not fall. Women are secure. But I can put everything on this hook. <laughs> everything. Every vessel on that hook. Every cloth on that hook. We are also on that hook. Everything. All glory. All the good and the evil and everything on that hook. Correct? And I will put it on this hook. And what does he do, you know? And I and I've never understood this next verse until this revelation of Hezekiah. Right? Look at what he says. They will hang on him all the pictures, small and everything. On that day, says the Lord, in that day. So he hangs everybody, everything on this hook, right? You got it? Everything is responsible on this hook. Everything is hanged on his good, the glory, the good, the evil, and everything. Everything is on this hook. So so Look at how God's wisdom is. God's wisdom is so unique. In that day, he talks about one day. Says the Lord of hosts, the peg that is fastened in a secure place will be removed. That is not what I want to hear. Correct? You don't want to hear that the peg is removed. But it is good that the peg was removed. Look at this. And it shall be Cut down and fall. And the burden that was on it will be cut off. Says the Lord of hosts. Lord who has spoken. This is so beautiful. You know if you don't have this understanding of what God's wisdom is. You totally miss it. It's like on one time he's saying all the glory of Israel. All the riches and everything God will hang on this hook. And then in the secure place, he will cut it off and it shall fall. Says the Lord. Doesn't make sense. Why? Because all our righteousness, all the good things, is like filthy rags. And God puts it all on this Christ Jesus and makes all our actions his responsibility. And he puts it on a very secure place. A speck that can actually take it. Because on Jesus. And on his body. And in his spirit. He was able to take the smallest vessel. To the greatest vessel. He could take it. He took it. And then instead of God cutting each vessel off. What did he do? He cut the peg itself. Isn't that cool? That's the wisdom of God. So that. You individually should not be cut off. You should not be pulled down. Now let's go to this picture. Let's okay. You know the, who is the key? Who is the key? I will put him on the key of the David. Who is this key? Who has this key? Do you know this? Go back to Revelation chapter three, verse seven. Can you read that quickly? Because you need to know that this is so accurate about Jesus Himself. Revelation chapter three. Revelation chapter 3 verse 7. 
yourself before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength have kept my word and have not denied my name this is this exact replica of what we just read this is jesus what is jesus saying i am he he who is holy which is he jesus he who is true he who has the key of david he who opens and no one shuts and who else shuts and no one opens i know your works see i have set before you an open door and no one can shut it why because i have not opened it for you correct right and then he says you have this word a uh, is not there in the original in the interlinear it's not for you have little strength that means you don't have any strength you have no strength but you have little strength have kept my word you have kept my word and have not denied my name that means you have believed my truth that my i have been cut off for you therefore my door is now open to you freely it's open to you freely i want you to quickly go to luke chapter 11 verses 46 onwards luke chapter 11 Luke chapter 11 11 verses 46 uh, Look at verse 9 uh, verse uh, 49 Luke chapter 11 verses 49 Therefore the wisdom of God also said I will send them prophets and apostles and some of them you will kill and persecute that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the earth may be required of this generation for the blood from the blood of abel to the blood of zechariah who perished before, between the altar and the temple yes i say to you it shall be required of this generation woe to you lawyers for you have taken the key of knowledge you did not enter in yourselves and those who are entering you hindered he says this is the wisdom of god so this is so beautiful i know you know this but i want you to get this a little strong so this is the wisdom of god god had this plan he says i am going to send you prophets and apostles and so some you will persecute some you will kill but i am going to require this blood of this generation so if you read it just like that what how do you read it read that ah that generation will pay for it right and actually that's how it's been preached many times right jews therefore was persecuted and scattered right wrong wrong that is exactly he says why is then why is it called the wisdom of god that's not wisdom for you pay for your sins that's not wisdom of god he says the wisdom of god is means what that means what is apparent to people is not the real thing So God saying yes I'm going to send you and you're going to kill you're going to kill and finally I'm going to require it of this generation which generation the generation in which Jesus is alive and then I will make hold it Jesus you're responsible for all of this that's what he did he became he put on him your robe and made you his responsibility the wisdom of god that's the wisdom of god 
Therefore, the blood will be required of this generation. Isn't it what? And he says, therefore, this is the key of knowledge that you did, you have. But you are not entering in because it is linked to the same Hezekiah verse. Say that the key of knowledge that you are not entering in. Why? Why can you enter in, Alkesh? Why can you now enter in into this door which is open for you? Remember, this door was shut for you. Because you are under judgment. So you cannot enter through this door of free favors of God of Shalom. But now you can open. You cannot. Why, why can, how can you enter into this door? What is this key of knowledge? What is this key? This key is the knowledge of that another has paid. The wisdom of God has laid it on a secure peg that was cut off. That secure peg is Jesus. Another has paid. Therefore I can walk in. So the lawyers... The ones who studied the Mosaic law, they have the key of knowledge, but they don't want to walk in. They knew these verses. They knew that the a Messiah will suffer. Isaiah 53 was a common problem that they had to stumble over. Even till today, they knew. In fact, remember the Ethiopian Enoch asked Philip, said, what is this servant? Because they always ask this question from generation to generation. Who is this servant in Isaiah 53? We know who the servant is. He is the secure peg in which everything has been put. That the blood will be required of him. Isn't that beautiful? And if you have that key of knowledge, guess what? Even when you don't have no strength, you can... Hallelujah! Walk in! You see, now it is open for you. It's like, Lord, just open the door, Lord, open. You don't. Because you don't have an understanding of truth. He's telling Philippian ch Philadelphia church that you don't have strength. Cool. No problem. Guess what? I have the key. <laughs> it's so beautiful, right? You need strength to push open a door. But if you have the key, you need strength to push open the door. But if you have the key, you just walk in. I have the key. I have opened. No one can shut. And I will shut and no one can open. What is he going to shut us from? All the evil in this world, all the judgment in this world, we are shut out from. That's why we call we are sanctified, separated. We are shut out. Cannot come in. Sorry. Who shut Noah in? Hey, if he can, <laughs> let me ask you a question. If he can build an ark, he can definitely shut himself in, right? No. Have you tried? When waters come in, into your ship when pressure happens you can't open or close you tried it in fact that's one of the problem when cars go into water you cannot open the door you have no power you have no power correct therefore God had to shut him in because God has the power against all what is waters all the judgments in the world he will shut us in but he also opens the door for us into everything because we know the key of knowledge. What is the key of knowledge? See, you always understood what is this key of knowledge. This is the key. Then another has paid the price. He says, the wisdom of God, 
to make that blood require of this generation isn't that wisdom of god so so when god in the law he said to moses i will be gracious to you i'll forgive you i will be loving and kindness but your sins i will by no means forgive means i will pass it from generation to generation so he's saying this under the law i will create a loophole for you to live prosperously now by pushing the sins on your coming generation so that is why hezekiah said hallelujah because under the law that was the only loophole that was available to be justifiably live in peace not with the concept of stolen peace it was legal it was kosher that my generation next generation will pay because the law says that i will punish your generation that means i will leave you that's why he says the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge that means i am not going my teeth are not set on edge my children's teeth are set on edge guess what i am at peace i will not be robbed i will not sick i'll not die i'll be prosperous i'll walk in the favor of god and i'll have a lot of wealth why because my next generation will pay but god says cool god is god so god kept pushing this <laughs> this goodness of god he keeps pushing this judgment over to every generation till when jesus showed up and says no not anymore so it looks as a very hard as if this generation <laughs> how fair is it rajesh jesus the son of god stands in galilee or in jerusalem and says cool you all had a free ride all your forefathers and everybody but this generation will pay for it now you can receive it how you can receive it with great deal of no you can i mean the israel they would have they would like they would have what we have always believed that our children will pay our price but jesus stands and says all the blood not just one blood from abel to zechariah will be now required of this generation wow that's a big word but that god calls it the jesus calls it the wisdom of god is that beautiful God's plan of salvation is so beautiful. His salvation has a righteous basis for it. You need to know that it was paid for. That generation in which Jesus lived paid for your sins. So what? You are now scot free. Seriously. You say no but can I do everything? Yeah, you can do anything and you are free. But will you do everything? Anything crazy? No, because his spirit lives in you. See that is the beauty of it. Now I don't need to be taught the law because I am no longer under the law because law was used as an armor by the enemy to attack me. But God used defeated his armor by cutting himself off under the law. He used his armor to kill his son. Right? Because he put whose robes on him? Our robes on him. See that's why he became a magnet for all judgment on the cross see in his robes is no sin but with our robes he became a magnet 
in that generation for all judgment. So that judgment has been paid. So now you go, you open the, you, the doors open, you walk to which department? <laughs> now you go to the customer service department to ask. Pass, go, and collect $20. <laughs> Isn't that good? And we don't have time to go to Job. Peter and Job would be another time. Another time. Another time. Another time, another time, but I have to tell you one more thing before I go. So Jesus stands before, you remember uh, David's story about David and Goliath? I want you to go back and read that. It is in uh, 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17? 1 Samuel 17? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17 because I want you to see a picture of this. Yeah, more than that. You'll see this, the wisdom of God. This wisdom of God, what we talked about. Another will pay. Correct? Another will pay. I want you to quickly look at this because I want you to understand this concept of another will pay. Okay, here. Uh, now the Philistines are, uh, gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at Soko, which belonged to Judah. They encamped between Soko and, and Azekah in Ephes Damin. You know Ephes Damin means the boundary of blood. They could not cross over that boundary. That's the boundary of blood. That's the blood of Jesus. He cannot. Philistines could not come enter. Ephes Damin. Damin means Adam. Damin means red man. Damin means blood. Ephes Boundary of blood. And Saul and his army were gathered together. You know all the story. But look at what this guy says. This Goliath. Because we don't have too much time. Look at verse 8. Then he stood up and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up to battle? So each one has come up to battle. Look at this question. Each one is battling. Correct? Why do you come up to line up to battle? This is what Christians do. We are constantly in our little armors going up in the front of the boundary of blood and trying to back. Right? The enemy has a better plan. But that is also the wisdom of God. See, look at what God uses the enemy to say. Look at how powerful it is. He says, why have you come up to line up to battle? Line up, each one that means, correct? Am I not a Philistine and you servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourself. You got it? Choose a man. Choose a man. Why do you want to fight? Choose a man. So his, so this is the, whose wisdom? Not Goliath's. It's God's wisdom. How do we know it's God's wisdom? We just read it. Jesus' words. The wisdom of God. Puts it all on one man. Say one man. The whole story of Goliath and David is not about David's strength and all that. No. It's about the wisdom of God to encapsulate all the battle on the responsibility of one man. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, his, the story of Goliath is not about Goliath being killed. No. 
The story of Goliath is the wisdom of God making the armies of response, armies of Israel being the responsibility of a young David. Choose a man for yourself. Right? Look at this. Look at this. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. Use the word so beautiful. Did you get us? Choose a man for yourself and let him did that man come down? Amen. Okay. If he is able to fight with me, why does he have to come down? <laughs> because Goliath is on the earth. Is that a beautiful picture? Where his domain is and where he is not? See, Jesus said, no one has gone to heaven except the son of man who has come down. He's talking about himself as God there. No one has gone up. He's, you know in the chapter he says that? John, John chapter 3. He's telling Nicodemus, no one <coughs> has gone to the, up to heaven. He says, if I tell you things that uh, are earthly and you don't believe it, how will I tell you heavenly things? He, he's telling the fact that I came down to earth to fight this Goliath is earthly news. I have a lot more news to tell you. And you cannot bear what I just told you. You are a teacher of Israel. How come you don't know all these things? See? He's telling again, you are the lawyer who has a key of knowledge. Don't you know that one man has to die? See, it's constantly that refrain. One man has to die. Isn't what Caiaphas, who did not believe in Jesus, when Jesus was going to be put to death, he said, he told all the people, said what? It's not right for the whole nation to be died. He's talking about judgment from Roman. Because they are very conscious of judgment. But he says what? He says a very powerful statement. It is good that one man dies. The concept of one man dying is intrinsic to the Bible. The ones who believe and the ones who don't believe knew one man has to die. So did Caiaphas have the knowledge, the key of knowledge? What is the key of knowledge? We just share that one man has to die. She said one man has to die. And this guy did not believe in Jesus. But he prophesied accurately that Jesus will die for the Jewish nation. Such a beautiful picture. Choose a man for yourself and let him come down. Isn't this a gospel? At the boundary of death, on the, at the boundary of blood, one man. Choose a one man to come. Don't come and line up to battle. Stop the spiritual warfare business. <laughs> With all your armor and sword and stuff like that. Oh, this is a beautiful picture. I'll tell you what happened to this stupid armor that you want to wear and fight. You want to, you want to see this armor, what happens? Okay, it's beautiful. Okay says, if he is able to fight with me and kill me. Wow. <laughs> he's like, God is using him to declare, prophesy about him. Correct? See, this is the wisdom of God. He says, he is uttering things that God wants him to utter. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Now, does God have Satan's permission to let go? This is a deal now with God and Satan right now. And is Satan agreed to this deal? Yes. See, God can send as many saviors as he wants. But 
Remember, the kingdom is in whose hand? Satan's hand. Why should he give it? If one man dies for the rest, I don't take the deal. Hey, it's, it is only possible if Satan has agreed for the deal. Right? It is, it's, Jesus can come morning, evening and die for the sins of the world. But Satan says, I don't care. I'm not going to take this deal. I'm not going to give these people. But Satan said what? We will become your servants. And we will, it's a deal. See, God used his mouth to destroy himself. Exactly like God used Pharaoh's mouth in the last plague. He said, what is the last plague? said, if you see my face again, it shall be on the death of your firstborn. Isn't that what he said? And that same plague came upon the Egyptians. By his same mouth. Same mouth. Did he say that? Did he say he, what was his last plague that he said? You want to go and read and find out. He said, if you see me again, you shall... He said something about death, right? Yeah. Can you read that? I just want to verify that we are accurate. Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. You shall die. Right? Okay, so he said, you shall die. So, so what happened? Who died? Pharaoh. Pharaoh died. So the same judgment came upon his kingdom. I, I know why I'm mixing it up. Because... In the movie, <laughs> in the movie of Ten Commandments, he uses that line, right? Okay, so I don't know where they got that. Maybe from some of the other books or this. But, but God used the mouth of Satan to destroy himself. And then he said what? If he's able to, then we shall become his servants and kill him. I defy the army. And he kept saying that. Okay, then look at verseness. Uh, look at what David said. So he says he will take away the reproach. So Israel was under reproach, under judgment. Reproach is judgment. So he said, what shall be done for this man? And we know the story. And we find, we know that uh, David destroyed uh, uh, Goliath. Look at verse 10. Verse 45. You come to me with a sword, with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Okay. The God uh, of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Correct. And then keep, uh, keep reading and he says This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and your head from Okay, so we know this picture is a picture of finally God destroying um, uh, Jesus destroying Satan, right? And the Bible says that uh, David took his head and brought it to Jerusalem and in Jerusalem the place where Jesus was crucified is the same place where Goliath's head is In fact, the place is called Golgotha head of Goliath, you know the place of the skull. Whose skull? Goliath's skull. So the real son of David came and destroyed Satan and his skull there. So that actually prophesied, that actually happened not exactly as prophesied. But look at one place. He said, 
he said, uh, you shall not, okay, look at this. Verse 47, when, I, when, he, when he does this, he says, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord and he'll give it into our hands. So he gives it. So Jesus has defeated it. And now he has given this victory. And what happened to all the Israeli soldiers? They received this victory. Because David went and won for us. Okay, look at further this. And he said one more thing. There, he destroyed uh, De Goliath with, he said, with stone and sling. Right? God, the Lord does not save with sword or spirit. Isn't that verse 47? Yeah. The Lord does not save with sword and spear. But what did he save with? With a stone and a sling. Did you know, read that somewhere? That he killed him with a stone and a sling? There's a verse which says that he killed him with a stone and sling. I know it says that. Where is it? Which verse? Oh, yeah, verse 50. Verse 50. Okay, read that. Yeah, look at that. He's repeated. So he David prevailed over the Goliath with a sling and a stone. Correct? Repeated. There's an emphasis there that God did not say with what? What is the contrasting with? Sword and a spear. But God destroyed Goliath with sling and a stone. So let's repeat it. God does not save with spear. But God destroyed Goliath with sling and a stone. Do you get this? So God does not save with sword and spear. Sword and spear is a picture of man's effort. Correct? But God destroyed with stone and sling. Very interesting. What does stone and sling mean? Sling means the same word. It's almost the same word as hanging. The Hebrew word is hanging. Hanging of curtains. Hanging. Hanging of a peg. So God destroyed Satan with stone and hanging. So God destroyed, that's the wisdom of God, right? The way God destroyed Satan was not by overwhelming force of sword and spear. So he can destroy. Now look at this. This is wisdom of God. So I want you to understand. You're a mature believer. So I want you to understand this concept, correct? So God could come against Satan with all the armies of angels against Satan and his kingdom. Can God, can God destroy Satan with all his armies? Yes. yes. But that will not be legit. Why it will not be legit? Because Satan can be destroyed but he will have to destroy all of his people. Who are his people? Us. Us. We are in his kingdom. Correct? So that's why Jesus said, wait, don't pull the tares right now. Because you will uproot the wheat. Correct? He, ha he has to destroy the tares. But he cannot remove the tares right now because he's going to destroy the wheat. So God could destroy uh, Satan with overwhelming force. And completely destroyed. But God did not. But instead God destroyed with stone and hanging. So the way he did stone is what is stone? A picture of the law. 
so god satan was using the law to persecute his people and bring them under condemnation of god so god took all the law and handed colossians you got it brother colossians chapter 2 verse 13 he took all the handwriting of the requirements who whose handwriting god's handwriting on what on stone and he took the handwriting on stone and did what with it and nailed it to the cross he handed so that you are now law so what happened to that so can you read rajesh can you read colossians chapter 2 13 onwards and the next verse colossians chapter 2 verse 13 onwards i have to finish this Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 onwards Yeah is very powerful he took the handwriting of the requirements that is stone and he nailed it to the cross he hanged it so he took the stone and put it in the sling got the picture so he took the stone and he put it in the sling so he took the stone and hanged it because he had to do something with this handwriting of the requirement because that was the one that brought judgment and satan was using that to bring death on hezekiah on abel on everybody from adam to all everybody to us he is using that against us correct so he took this and he hanged him and then what what's the next verse this is so powerful in it so because he what he did he disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in what i never read this last two word in that verse in it he didn't triumph over them in what in it means what is this it no no in this concept he disarmed so what is the object there he disarmed principalities he made a public spectacle over of them triumphing over them in it he triumphed over these principalities and they disarmed in it in what in in yeah in disarming them in their law he disarmed their law now they can't use the law against you now again more the stone is gone he this he triumphed over the stone we get this point he triumphed over this requirements problem that god has that requirements was not given 
God by God by intention to make man subject to him that was not the plan God never gave the law God gave the law when man asked for the law because he boasted in his righteousness make sense so he said he removed this handwriting of the requirements so what happens he nailed it to the cross and therefore immediately what happened it disarmed the principalities when the requirements of the law were removed it disarmed the principality because the armor in which he trusted was removed there's a verse in the bible where jesus says when a strong man who's fully armed he is secure but if a stronger than him comes upon him and takes away his armor and divides the spoils see who is a strong man who has an armor satan he has an armor correct he is when he is armed his goods are at peace see satan calls this what's on earth right now he calls it peace his goods are secure but if a stronger than him comes and disarms him how did god disarm satan he took the handwriting of the requirements against us and nailed it to the cross he disarmed it and he made a public spectacle of it so how does he make a public spectacle now when satan comes to judge you or condemn you using the law you, your response should be no <laughs> seriously it will be a public spectacle that means it's like you mock him you say seriously you're going to come to me with the law it's been triumphed over by jesus it wasn't your plan see wasn't it that your plan if one man fight whose plan was it david's or his his so is so you should say hold it i remember you had a deal isn't it when one man one man fights me and kills me then we shall all be your servants correct and you will not so what did david do with goliath's armor is very important for me yes or no yes, yes. why because of this colossian significance because it should match with everything what you understand so you guys are deep believers right you need to know that in that story because that story is a picture not of a man killing a giant it's a nice romantic story but it's a powerful picture of give us a man remember that story of goliath as give us a man but it's very important to know what happened to goliath's armor right why is it important to know what happened to goliath's armor so he might die but if his armor is still active his goods will be at peace who are his goods not only not only we are not his goods right but his goods are also physical stuff on the earth health is his goods because he is take he stealing he stolen it right and so and he stole stole when when a robber steals health when a robber robs something he has it in his possession and he has machine guns around his house so the goods is it his uh, robbers is it is the goods his no it doesn't belong to him but does he have it yes, yes. then why don't you go and get it because he has an armor that's the point so what does he have an armor so now if he doesn't now if i can if i do if i find out what happened to his armor 
And if, if somebody tells me, guess what, Sushil, you know that you are afraid to go into that guy's house because he has machine guns all around the house. Uh, other day, somebody came and took all the machine guns and put it in locked storage somewhere else. Now guess what happens? You can go boldly and get your goods. Correct? But for you to know that information, what information is critical for you? What happened to the armor of Goliath? I don't care, he's dead. But he's got machine guns still facing out of me. I need to know what's happened to the armor. So what is the armor? In Colossians, what does it say? The law. The handwriting of requirements. So every place it says, you cannot be blessed unless you are a good husband. You cannot be blessed if you don't fast and pray. You cannot be blessed if you don't work hard in your life. You cannot be blessed if you are lazy. What are these? Requirements. Requirements. You, know, you think only requirements are, thou shall have the law. Oh yeah, one of the requirements is, do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind? Have you forgiven everybody in your life? How come you have unbitterness in your heart towards somebody in your family or somebody in your friends? See, now you cannot receive because this, un, un, this unforgiveness is biting you. That's why it's keeping you. Why? These are requirements. These are machine guns that are pointing you, not wanting you to come in and take what rightfully belongs to you. Amen? So do you want to know what happened to Goliath's armor? Okay, let's go back and read. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Verse 54. Can somebody read it? David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. Oh, that is so beautiful. Oh, that is so beautiful. Come on. Do you get this? David, David took Goliath's head and brought it to Jerusalem. Why did he bring it to Jerusalem? To prove to everybody that he is dead. Huh? Is a public spectacle of his defeat. Are you ready for shouting? So that we know. Don't we know that Satan is defeated? But we are still afraid of his machine guns. Yes or no? Yes or no? Right? That is why even though we know Goliath is dead, we are afraid to get into his house. Because we don't want to get his spoils. Because he says, uh, Jesus said about the strong man that he will divide the spoils. Oh, you should see that verse. That verse opens up because of what we are read today. He says, He who is not with me scatters. He who is with me gathers. He's talking in context of spoils. That means you, if you are hanging around not understanding what I am telling right now, you will never gather. You will always scatter in your life. As believers, have you seen that we are scattering many times? We are not gathering. You want to be gathering the spoils that Jesus has already won for you. You know when Israel won, in many of the times when supernatural victories, when angels killed their armies, their only job was what? Gathering spoils. In Hezekiah's picture, it was a picture of gathering spoils. They would go out and they would, from morning till sundown, gather spoils. There is so much spoils. Right? The reason you and I many times do not gather is because we are afraid of Goliath's armor. I'm telling you, this revelation is coming now, even as I'm speaking right now by the Holy Spirit. This revelation is straight from heaven. What did David do with the armor of Goliath? 
He didn't bring it to Jerusalem to show to people. He doesn't want people to see his armor. He put it where? In his tent. What is the tent a picture of? Tent is always a picture of body. Therefore Peter said, I have to lay aside my tent and depart. It's a picture of the physical body of Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the requirements of the law in his body. It is done, brothers and sisters. The price is paid. God doesn't want to show off the armor of Goliath outside anymore. So who is bringing out the armor of Goliath if it is not David? Who is bringing out the armor? The servants of God many times. The church many times. Dragging out Goliath's armor and showing it to the rest of the world. Why? Do you get this picture? Because the more you drag out the armor and show it to the world, the church will be afraid to collect the spoils. Don't bring the handwriting of the requirements of the law constantly before the body of Jesus Christ. Let them receive the spoils freely. The stone has been slinged or hanged. The price has been paid. And now say, ha 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 ha, every time you feel a demand being made on you in, the, in your spirit by Satan, by bringing his handwriting of the requirements against you. Say, no brother, you did this, there is a generational curse. What generational curse? All the blood was required of that generation. Hey, that generation is Jesus' words, right? How can generational causes happen that if all the blood was required of that generation? Hold it. Where are you getting this generational curses verse from? There's no generational curses in the Bible at all. It was there until the generation had not paid. It was the it was a loophole for God to bless. The word of the Lord is good. One man has come. One man has paid the price. And one man has divided the spoils to us. Hallelujah. Will there be peace in my time? Yes. Will there be peace in your children's time? Yes. Are you ready to receive from this great loving father and his son freely? Amen. Hallelujah. I think it's a strong need today. Do you have a righteous foundation for this? So I want you to go and read Isaiah 54. And then he says, I'll rebuild your foundation with solid crystals and this. That's the foundation of righteousness. Once you have righteousness, the floods can come. Floods are always a picture of judgment. So that's why the house that does not have this righteous foundation cannot stand judgment. Because when there is no judgment, both the house, the one without the foundation, one with the foundation, both look good when there is no judgment. Correct? Correct? But when there is judgment, the one with the foundation will stand. That is what Jesus said in that passage. So now go and let's close with First John. First John. First John chapter 4. Verse 17. 
So can, can somebody read that love? First John chapter 4 verse 17. Okay, read that again, louder. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. Amen. Look at verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. So that is the truth. The truth is, we have known and we believe the love that God has for us. That love is manifested in Him sending a man for us. And another has paid the price. It doesn't say, we have known and believed our love for Him. It says, we have believed God's love for us. And He, he who abides in love. Which love? Your love? In God's love for you. Abides in God and God in Him. Love has been perfected among us. Which love has been perfected in us? God's love has been perfected in us. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Where is this day of judgment? On earth. Remember the house? The floods come. When the floods come to your house. When you are judged by your boss. By your colleagues. By your wife. By your spouse. By your friends. By, your, by the system. By the government or anything. When you are judged. As not deserving the goods. What should you say? We may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. That means we, he is now fully righteous. Therefore we are fully righteous. Therefore the handwriting of the requirements cannot touch us. Right? How can the handwriting? Because the armor is sitting with whom? In Jesus' body. In Jesus' body is completely covered. He means it's, he's already fulfilled the law. So it is hidden in him. He's fulfilled the law. He said, I have come to fulfill the law. The law has been fulfilled. Therefore, you have boldness in the day of judgment. The day of judgment is the armor of Goliath coming against you. The handwriting of the requirements coming against you on a daily basis. When this comes, you should say, I have boldness. I don't care. My requirements have been satisfied in Christ Jesus. Another has died for me. And I receive this free favors of God freely. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want you to start relaxing and enjoying life. And believing that you can walk in. Because this door has been opened for you. The key of, Now you understood key of David today for the first time. You understood how this door is open. How this key was laid on him. How he died for you. How he became that man. Why Hezekiah said that the word of the Lord is good. Is the word of the Lord good? Is this wisdom so in, in, beautiful? Out of the very mouth of Goliath, he demanded a man and God sent him a man. That's so beautiful. Hallelujah. There is so much truth and there is so much more revelation and we didn't have time to cover Job and the Leviathan in that book. It's powerful revelation. Always thought about Leviathan. You always studied this one. God dedicates one full chapter to a creature called Leviathan. It's almost like a sea monster. And God opened and showed, showed me revelation in, with respect to this. And said how a Leviathan is a picture of Satan. And God said, Job, can you defeat Satan with your righteousness? Can you do it? Do you have power? I created him. Who created Satan? He's magnificent. He is the epitome of justice because he has my armor. What is his armor? 
my handwriting of my requirements of law. He, nobody can stop him. Anybody who wants to tame him will regret. Anybody who touches Satan with the law will regret it. That is why many times you see preachers who preach lot of righteousness by the law end up in scandals. You seen that? Mostly sex scandals. People who are very proclaimed purity, 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 finally find them they are living with somebody. You see that? Because not because they are not good. They are, they are well-meaning people, but they are using the handwriting. Goliath's armor against the church. But you cannot tame Leviathan. And God says, I will send you a man. Because Job said in that chapter, I wish there was a man who can stand, put a hand on you and put a hand on me. Job cried out for that man. And God said, I'll give you that man. And moment Job said, Believed that his captivity was turned. Just like Hezekiah. Moment he believed that another will pay, not he will pay. When he considered his righteousness as garbage, he said, what is my righteousness? I cannot open my mouth. Remember, that's how he concluded. The moment he said that, he was restored. Because now he's saying, my righteousness is junk. I believe my Redeemer will stand one day on the end. And God says, He will destroy that Leviathan. Isn't that beautiful? The picture of Leviathan. Then Peter. Peter said, I will die with you and even go to prison for you. Hold it. Same problem. He is trying to tame the Leviathan. I will I love you more than in all of this. Again, handwriting of the requirements. He is boasting in that. And guess what happens? Jesus said, Satan has asked me to sift, asked to sift you as feet. Now how is Satan has authority over Peter? Because Peter is renting his armor. He's using his armor to boast in his righteousness. Because he's using the law to boast in how good he is. And so Satan is saying, cool, come baby, come. I am an expert at this. Come into my territory. So Jesus, but now he is under the physical protection of Jesus. But Jesus cannot prevent Satan from doing what he can. Because he is trusting in Satan's armor. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Because you cannot tame this Leviathan. But I have. But he said, another will pay for you. So Peter believed that Jesus' death was enough. And he saw good days. While Judas did not believe that another would pay the price. And he died. No difference. One believed the truth. One did not. Not The truth is not the law. The truth is another will pay the price. Therefore he had shalom. And God used Peter to preach and become the pillar of the house, of the church. Did I preach? So we preached. And today, you. So Hezekiah, Job, Peter, and you. You. What do you have? Do you have an intercessor right now? Yes. yes.
Do you have a man at the right hand of God? Yes. What about this man is attractive to you? Come on. What about this man is attractive to you? He has paid my price. And he has given it to me freely. Amen. That is the truth. If you have this truth, it has nothing to do with your godliness to walk in. Can you walk in now? Because Jesus says, you have the key of knowledge. You can walk in. You have little strength. Annie, you have little strength. But I have put before you an open door. No one can shut it. Healing is yours. Promotion is yours. Victory is yours. What do you want? It's open. I opened it for you. Doubly blessed. For your comfort, my people, for your sins, you will receive double. Care God. Good revelation, George. For your sins. So he sinned and God gave him double. Why? Because he believed that another will pay the price. God talks about Abraham and says, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Why? He saw that another son of Abraham will pay for his son and rejoiced. And guess what happened? He received double. How many sons of Isaac? Twelve sons. How many sons through Jacob? Ishmael? Twelve sons. Isaac had uh, two. two, but Jacob had twelve. And Ishmael had twelve princes. Correct? Doubly blessed. He was blessed. He, was blessed. he saw his day and rejoiced. Can you, therefore, Paul says in Philippians, therefore I say rejoice. What are you afraid, what, what are you worried about? Guys, what are you, what are you sad about? Another has paid the price. Rejoice. Therefore I say rejoice. Again I say rejoice. Comfort my people. Comfort. Your warfare has done. War is over. Goliath is dead. And his armor is in my tent. Isn't that a beautiful revelation? On the tent of Jesus. The body of Jesus Christ has your requirements. The stone and the hanging. Think of Goliath as the stone and the hanging. I never saw it. Just today. The stone and the hanging. The picture of the handwriting of the requirements. So, I urge you brothers and sisters. Don't make a demand of yourself. Don't go to the boundary of blood with your tin pit armor making a demand of Satan. He will shoot you down. Go to the boundary of blood with a man who has already done everything for you. And he's seated, rested, game over. Skull gone. Head decapitated. There's a uh, parable, there's a picture of a in judges, there's a judge. He killed one of the judge. I forgot the name. You can read it. He killed a king of Moab, a very fat guy. Do you know the story of a judge who killed a very fat guy, a king of Moab? He put his sword into his stomach. It's very gross. His, his sword went into the stomach and fat closed around him. Correct? Yeah, please. I don't want to get into it. So this is a picture of how God, king of Moab, is a picture of. It, it tells even worse things in that, right? So I want you to go and read it. But, but it's a beautiful picture of God, Jesus destroying Satan, correct? The 
best part is he locks the door and goes out the deliverer so he is in the house the king of moab is in the it says a cool upper room <laughs> it's the bathroom in the old testament in the cool upper room he is in the upper room the king is dead but they don't know the king is dead after a long delay they were embarrassed and they knocked they, they had a key and they opened the key and they looked and guess what the king is dead so this is a picture of satan lot of the people don't know that the king of moab is dead say the fat guy is dead <laughs> the fat guy is dead let me tell you the fat guy is dead the door is locked you don't know it but let me tell you the fat guy is dead okay i think i should preach a sermon once says the fat guy is dead okay let's just pray hallelujah so she why don't you just pray thank you lord thank you father thank you lord for graciously speaking to us lord through and and thank you lord for the good word that you have given us today lord but thank you for the truth lord thank you lord master that another man has died in our place lord and another man has taken our place lord you put our robe father on on this another man jesus yes and he has taken all the curses and everything lord and he has bore our shame lord thank you jesus thank you lord that we can trust his work lord and we can relax and we can rest and we can say with boldness lord before the throne that we can receive lord thank you lord so we receive lord today whatever you have for us father in every situation of our life lord so we receive lord whatever you are going to give us lord we receive freely lord jesus we are not going to say we are not going to even try to pay for it lord yes master because jesus has paid for it so we receive freely master that we may glorify your name lord on this earth to all people lord that this is the work of the lord and those who trust in him and this is the way they will be blessed lord oh yes master thank you jesus thank you lord for showing us lord thank you lord for showing us through your word that we can rest lord in his work yes jesus we no longer try to bring out the armor of goliath which jesus oh, yes, has already put in his tent hallelujah yes, so we do not have to fear for it lord oh yes because lord because it's already dealt with lord oh yes and master the lord no longer requires from us lord because the requirement has met by jesus oh yes master so we freely accept your love and your goodness and your grace lord thank yes lord thank you lord we pray for each one of us who is here lord and we pray for your blessings to be abundantly manifested in their life lord as yes, they receive this word and meditate on this lord yes, and chew upon this lord let your goodness be manifested lord. oh yes thank you jesus thank you lord and also we pray all for all the families that who were not able to make it to oh, yes, the life stream today lord jesus we pray for your comfort and your blessings on the on the all the families lord jesus thank you lord in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen.